Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Garth's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Hello and welcome to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. An absolute legend of the game, join us on the show today to look ahead to the start of the county season, as well as back to one of the best series I ever played in. It's the gaffer himself, Alex Stewart. They couldn't do it. Stewart can do it, though. Behind point this time for four more. Today's show coming from my second home at the Kia Oval and featuring my favourite player of all time. No, not Darren Goff. This is going to be a good week. And aside from all that, the 155th Wisden Almanac was published this week. We're joined by editor Lawrence Booth to find out a bit more about this year's cover star. Yeah! Perry the last bear. You can expect something like that to happen. So England have won the World Cup. And we will be talking county cricket after the season started this week and also all things Indian Premier League. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. And with me as usual is my friend Johnny Norman, who, as you heard earlier, is at the Oval, his favourite place to be in the world. Absolutely. I mean, Craven Cottage is up there, but after we lost uh, that uh, 94th minute equaliser to Brentford, I don't want to really think about football. Uh, the <laughs> county season, mate, it started and it's sunny here in uh, in Surrey uh, or at Surrey, um, but it hasn't really been that sunny up and down the country. And as the results start to come in, well, as a fe- as an old bowler yourself, you must have uh, you would have loved bowling over the last four days, wouldn't you? Because there's not too many batsmen who've kind of come out of this with much credit. I tell you what, a great place to bowl would have been Edenley, abandoned <laughs> without a ball being bowled. Both teams, two of the favourites for the county championships. Uh, last year's winner, uh, obviously Essex, uh, McGrath going back to his old county, and Yorkshire needing a better season than last year, but no points. Uh, on the, well, no bonus points on the board uh, for both those sides after the bo- I mean, the groundsman's come out, Andy Andy Fogarty, and said it's the mm. worst conditions he's seen in 30 years. Well, I mean, that's saying something, eh? It's the first washout of an opening round fixture since 1967, 
uh, and even that wasn't at Headingley. But you know, you know, some people would say that's what happens when you start a county championship at the start of April. Mm. Well, I just, it is disappointing, and one of my big bugbears. I know it winds people up, especially groundsmen, because I think I'm having a personal dig at them. But what chance have the groundsmen got at this stage of the season to prepare decent wickets? You only have to look about some of the uh, bowling figures around the country. It, it's, it's an absolute joke. Uh, James Harris from Middlesex, five for mm. nine he got. Come no, no. on, guys. I mean, what is going on? I mean, how can you judge how good a bowler is, how good a batsman is in these conditions? It's just not a fair contest. Some of the scores up and down the country, Kent, first innings, all out for 64. Gloucester, 110. Kent came back with 153. Absolutely brilliant news. North Ant, 71 all out and 142 all out. Where you look at the bowlers who are getting the wickets, as I mentioned there, Tim Murta and Harris from um, Middlesex. Both bowlers were hit the seam, no real pace, hit the seam, just put it on a decent length. Mercer, I got eight wickets in the match, um, and Harris, nine wickets in the match. There you go, there, there's your answer on a plate. Are either of them, well, Mercer plays for Ireland for a start, but are they going to be playing serious test match cricket? Not really. It's, uh, you know, and this is the thing, isn't it? When we come to playing in Australia again, we come to playing in India again, even the West Indies, you know, that's uh, not the old uh, the, the old tracks that uh, we grew up watching. They're, they're spin-friendly tracks. How many, Sri Lanka how many wickets we got year. to... How many wickets felt the spin? Does anybody know? Can anybody work it out? How many wickets felt the spin on well. the opening round of championship cricket matches? Well, let's have, let's have a look through the, um, the the results very quickly. Hampshire beating Worcestershire by 196 runs. Notts beating Lancashire. I mean, what a day for that was, by the way. Uh, Lancashire bowled out for 71. Notts uh, needed 10 to win the game. They they did it with six wickets. They lost four wickets. Well, there you go, mate. Nine nice. for four. I mean, come on. Um, as you mentioned, Yorkshire and Essex, that uh, was abandoned with that ball being bowled. So that's Division 1. Division 2, Warwickshire drawing with Sussex. Um, Rain-affected game. Middlesex beating Northants by 160 runs and Gloucestershire beating Kent by five wickets. But in and amongst that, you know, Trevor Bayliss, the England coach a couple of weeks ago, saying the start of the season is going to be very important for a lot of uh, batsmen in and around the test side. So let's have a look, shall we? Well, James Vince got a few. By the way, which game was he at? Was he at one of the games? Anybody know? Oh, that's a good point. Just wanted to find out. Just wanted to find out. I might put it out there on Twitter, actually. Uh, you're right, though. Vince top scored, I suppose, of all the uh, those who actually play. Because, of course, Stoneman and Surrey um, won't be uh, reunited. Uh, I don't think Stoneman's going to play in the first game, probably second. Alistair Cook, of course, uh, didn't play for Essex. Not that there was any play. But James Vince did. 75 in first innings, 12 in second. Apart from that, though, Goffey, I'm looking round and... Sam Northeast, 17 and 4 in the same game. Hasib, I mean, Lancashire, my tips last week. Hamid, 3 and 19. Keaton Jennings, 11 and 27. Uh, by the way, what was my tip? Was it Hampshire? <laughs> well, yes. I thought maybe. they got off to a nice start. Well, yes, yes. Uh, Liam Livingston, <laughs> 9 and 12. He got three you know. wickets, though. He did get three, three for 27, but again, you know, that's not really well, what you want to see, is it? Yeah, you can't really judge um, anyone on that. Um, I, I mean, Ian Bell uh, showed his class as usual. He got yep, 70, 70, but he's not going to get picked again, so let's write no, him off. Da- Daniel Gloucester- Bell Drummond, he got a few. Yeah, well, actually, in a low-scoring game, second inning, 61, yep. four in first. Joe Denley, how about that for a cap? Your first game as captain uh, with Sam Billings, 
uh, playing in the Indian Premier League. You get beaten by Gloucestershire by five wickets. You're bowled out for 60-odd in first innings. And Joe Denley uh, gets a pair. So uh, <laughs> thanks for coming. Uh, Middlesex uh, beating North Ants by 160. But, you know, again, Sam Robson, you know, remember him? He was playing for England uh, three years ago or so. 14-5. and five. Ben Duckett, 6-9. and nine. Uh, but as you mentioned, James Harris, nine for 48 in the match and five for nine. Oh, jeez. I mean, come on. I'm not sure we've learned anything in this past week, apart from the fact that uh, maybe county cricket shouldn't be played in April. I'll tell you what so we have learned, that Darren Stevens uh, gets a lot of stick, but he puts the ball on the length. He picked up more wickets. Um... For Kent, even though he's a batsman, he's become an absolute <laughs> golden all-rounder in this era of county cricket with the uh, the seamer-friendly pictures, um, may I um, add. Well, let me ask you a question, OK? Because if you go back to uh, that first test match, uh, first Ashes test at the Gabba, build up to it there was a, a moment in that match which led to me celebrating you know one of the few celebrations i had over this long winter um david warner dismissed back of a length delivery uh, in a manner that we've seen before actually he was deceived trying to play the ball through uh through mid wicket and he just spooned up to mid on and the bowler jake ball who then never played another game uh, certainly not in the tests. He, uh, he came back for a couple of the ODIs. Today, against Lancashire, f following up 5 for 43, 4 for 14. Now, I'm not going to suggest that that uh, indicates anything because that will go against exactly what we're talking about. But as a former fast bowler yourself, where do you see him? Because there are still holes uh, supporting Broad and Anderson in the England test squad. Well, like I say, it depends how we're going to do it. I mean, um, you need people there. You need people at the game. You need to judge uh, the conditions of the pitch. You need to see how he bowled, how did he get his wickets. There's so many things you have to judge on selection. And I, I think that's where we've gone missing over the past few years in our selection. We've just got lost in it all. But obviously, he's a decent performer on pitches that just do a bit. Which, which I've said, our bowlers in England, I have mm. no worries about who we pick. We could easily pick between six of them to play against Pakistan early season and they wouldn't let you down. They would not let you down at all. My biggest issue is when we then tour abroad, we pick the same type of bowlers and we just look lost. So in English conditions, you can just pick any of them. Pick, shut your eyes and pick any of them and they will all do a decent job, whether it be Jake Ball, whether it be Wokes, Broad, Anderson, um, you know I mean, Overton. You can go on and on and on and on. And I think none of, us, none of them had let England down. Um, you mentioned, uh, or we talk about the uh, the first test match. It's only, what, uh, five weeks away. Pakistan, the visitors for two tests. Now, personally, since I've been fortunate enough to be the uh, the, the England correspondent, cricket correspondent, cricket editor, call it what you like, I think the best test series I've actually seen was when Pakistan were here a couple of years ago. Misbrul Hack, remember that, when he uh, got down on all fours and started doing push-ups in front of the Lord's <laughs> Pavilion. You know, Pakistan really surprising England at the time, winning there, uh, going 2-1 down, then coming back here at the Oval when Yunus Khan uh, hit uh, a massive, massive score. Big double hundred to win the match for Pakistan. Series drawn two apiece. And because they'd won in the UAE, they, they won the series. They're back um, and the, uh, the the squad was announced. Now, there's no Yudis Khan. There's no miserable hack. Um, but there are some familiar faces in there. And uh, anybody who used to watch uh, 
Pakistani cricket during the, uh, the start of the century, uh, might be familiar with uh, a bloke that's uh, related to him, because Inzaman Allhack's nephew's in the side. He is. Um, it's took a bit of stick. Everybody's surprised he has been picked. Uh, but when he's um, got quite a big influence um, on who's going to play for Pakistan, does it really surprise you with the politics and everything that goes with Pakistani cricket? Uh, it doesn't. I think a slight uh, shock was the uh, the omission of uh, Wehab Riaz. Mm. Um, he's took a bit of stick, actually. I think the coach, yeah. Mickey Arthur, actually said, well, when was the last time he influenced a game? I thought, yeah, that, he, was a, he, I yeah. thought that was a bit harsh. Um, well, he, he doesn't pull the punches, does Mickey Arthur, does well, he? Well, he doesn't. And Yassir Shah, obviously, is a huge loss. He's going to be injured. Everybody thought yeah. he would drop, but he's, he's got an injury, so um, he's going to be missing. And they brought in... I think what you've got to be uh, about uh, the Pakistan squad is, but what you've got to say is, but they will be competitive. They've got decent bowlers, they've got strong bowlers, and I think what, where you've got to look at it is, but what Mickey Arthur's trying to do there, I actually admire. He's mm, brought a lot I of did. young players into the team. Yeah, they should get beat by England. It'll be a very surprised if England don't beat them because they've picked a very young squad. Yeah, but he's trying to plan for the future. You can see what he's trying to do, and he's got a plan. I like that. What is wrong with forward planning? <laughs> this is what Pakistan are doing. Are we doing it? No. Well, we shall see, because it was a forward planning that they turned to when they when they drew with England um, a few years back. You know, they went on a military boot camp. That's what all the press-ups were about. That's what all the saluting was about. Uh, it was all about fitness. It was about uh, preparation. And uh, they, they wrought the benefits. And you know what's going to happen from here on in, Goffey, is because, of course, Ireland are playing their first test match uh, against Pakistan. First ever test match. Um, and, uh, you know, every touring team, I think, for the next few years is actually going to get proper a proper workout because they're going to go to Ireland. They're going to play a test match against Ireland. And that means when they play that first test of the summer against England, they're going to be absolutely on the money. And... Uh, Yep, yeah, we're all tipping England to beat Pakistan this year, but I think we were when they came here last time as well. Um, Goffey, your old, uh, your old gaffer, my favourite cricketer. Well, you both were, to be honest, during the 90s. Uh, joining us very shortly here at the Oval, you're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week. Alex Stewart coming up very shortly, and it's all on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. There's 50 for Alex Stewart. He's judged that one right. It's been a very bright, brisk knock from him, especially considering the circumstances when he arrived at the crease at 17 for three. Now that's gone down the hill. Alex Stewart is scampering like mad. And he's coming back for his 100. That's his eighth in Test cricket, and he is absolutely delighted about that. Alex Stewart on 99. They're going for it. Adams misfield. Stewart's got there. Is this Alex Stewart's best test innings? He celebrates his century with a century. Well, Goffey, you can't move for people around my age telling you that the worst time to watch cricket was the 90s and listing off all the abject failures and how terrible it was. But... For me, actually, 
watching the man alongside us today uh, in full flow with that white batting helmet, cutting, carving and pulling and driving. Uh, well, it didn't get much better for a, a Surrey boy to see Alex Stewart in the side. That first test match that you played, uh, I listened to attentively in the West Indies all the way through the 90s, 190 against Pakistan. Um, back-to-back centuries in Barbados. We can list off the uh, the deeds, uh, but it was uh, it was certainly the best time for me. And actually, Goffey, when uh, Alec retired in 2003, I seriously uh, considered or worried I wouldn't be able to enjoy the game quite as much. <laughs> Get a so. grip. Get a <laughs> well, grip. It's true. Listen, mate, done, it's true. I'd have done this interview regardless of whether you said <laughs> yeah. that or not. <laughs> it's true. But two years later, it was the greatest Ashes series ever. So, uh, hey, you know, I, I got over it. <laughs> uh, Alex Stewart, Director of Cricket, Surrey legend alongside me at... Uh, well, it's always sunny in South London. Goffey in the, doesn't believe me, but uh, the true home of cricket at the Kia Oval. Johnny Surtees, press officer, is uh, the henchman is, is looking on. Uh, but we're going to look back. 1998. Test of time. Um, part of uh, what's been my favourite section of the show, because basically I just sit back and listen to Goffey talk to uh, a teammate about test matches I, I watched as a, as a uh, teenager. Um <laughs> Just had to get that in, didn't you? Well, I did. Um, I mean, look, it was uh, it's a series was 20 years in the I, making. I, just on that, I was in my 20s, and I think Alec would have been in his 30s. I was in my 60s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alec was coming up to age 40. Uh, but, he, but he still had that sunny strut, and he was still a great, great player. And actually, we, you were leader then, weren't you, that day? I was. I yeah. was, that series. Yeah. We won that series, and I got the sack <laughs> a little bit later. <laughs> you was the leader. They were the good old days. Yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how we rolled. Well, let's go back. For listeners who aren't familiar with, the, with where we were at the time, um, South Africa were the visitors. You know, back then you had five test series against teams other than Australia. Proper series, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, mm. proper series. And actually, this was the first time I think England had won a proper series in about 10 years. 13 so, years. Well, there we go. And you were sacked within a year. Um, <laughs> but let's... Uh, we don't have time to go through the whole... And it's a shame, because you could, you could fill an hour or two on the series itself. But, you know, South Africa had only been readmitted back to cricket for about four years. Um, they had a good it, team, a real strong a, team. They had a real strong team. Uh, so five test series. First one at Edgbaston was drawn. Uh, not for the first time. Guess what? England lose at Lords. Ten wicket uh, victory for South Africa. So one nil up after two, South Africa. Um, go to Old Trafford and Gary Kirsten scores a big hundred, maybe a double, double actually. Double hundred, I think. Um, but uh, how often is it been, Goffey, that we've we've had your teammates on and we've looked back at famous games in the past and actually your deeds with the bat... Um, have, have ended um, things. And actually, yourself, Fraser and Croft dug England out of a hole. Well, Fraser to... got all the credit and he lasted four balls. <laughs> I'd just <laughs> batted for two hours with Robert Croft. I got and no I credit right, whatsoever. And I got 170 and it never cops a mention. <laughs> <laughs> it's Not that we're bitter, are we? Yeah, so no. we? Well, 20 years on, we're righting the wrongs, eh? Um then it turns. So one nil down after three. I mean, nowadays that'll be it. Game over. South Africa. South Africa win onto a 15-match ODI. But we series. left. We left Old Trafford just to interrupt you there, Jonathan. We left Old Trafford. We'd drawn the game, but it felt a, a win mm. for us, and South Africa felt as though they had lost it, Absolutely. which then went on to Trent Bridge. But carry on. Well, do I need to tell you who, uh, who scored some runs in that uh, at Trent Bridge? Michael Atherton and Alex Stewart, leveling the series. 
So one all. One to play. And this is where we find ourselves. The captain, Alex Stewart uh, at Headingley. Uh, Goffey, the local hero. Uh, is that... Um, Sometimes. <laughs> well, sometime. at this time, certainly you were Wisdom Cricket of the Year, weren't you? Uh, I certain. was, yeah. Was yeah. That, yeah He's yeah. a legend of Yorkshire. Well, he is and a legend. England. And England. No, no, uh, I got you... the OBE for that, Al. Only balls for England uh, when <laughs> I went back it. to Edinley. That's the <laughs> only time I got a cheer at Edinley was when I actually were playing for England. If I were playing for Yorkshire, they used to boo me. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously. Because it came to the point, because of the central contract system back then. You never played. I, I, I was the first one, wasn't I? I did, no, I did play a lot more than they do now, but... Yeah, um, yeah. That I got all the stick for it, for all the rest of benefit, like your side bottoms, your hogards, your silverwoods. They never hit bones. They never got any any stick whatsoever. I got it all. <laughs> yeah, but you took it, didn't you? Of course I did. I moved to uh, moved to Buckinghamshire. Yeah, <laughs> went and played for Essex. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, but before all that, um, so it's Headingley, day one, win the toss, bowler friendly conditions, local hero chomping at the bit. Alex Stewart, what did you decide to do? I guess we batted. You did indeed. Batted and Mark Butcher hit his first test century. Yeah, it was a fine innings as well. It so what, tell it, give us a little bit of an idea about... Because, you know, it, it was a series that really captured the imagination in a way that an Aussie... An, an Ashes does now. Well, it was because, obviously, the, that that series was as good a series, I think, as, as we mm. played in. I think Goffey may agree. Because of Fun. the way it fluctuated, uh, the style of cricket, the way it was played, and obviously the way it ended. Um, but no, it, it certainly did grab the public's imagination. Uh, they were watching it then on terrestrial TV from memory. Um, but it was tough, real tough cricket. South Africa played under Hansi Cronick. Tough, tough cricket. And they had top players. You know, Alan Donald, Sean Pollock, just to mention two days, Jack Callis, um, from a batting point of view, Gary Kirsten and others. Um, but it was a tough, hard series, but played in a really good spirit, really good spirit. Do, do you know, just, do you know on. On, Al, on that, when you just talk about their bowlers, I mean, let's just, their bowlers they had at that point, Alan Donald, what did he get, 350 test wickets? Sean Pollock, 450 test wickets around Lentini. Um, he got over 300, well over 300. Jack Callis, 297. And Brian McMillan. Brian McMillan, What a character, oh, what a cricketer he was. Mm. Tough cricketer. You always talk about Brian McMillan, Goffey. I do, I, bowled, I, I admire he, him massively. He bowled, he bowled lively, hit your back, very hard, but he would be. He'd oh, be a Ben Stokes type of cricketer, wouldn't you say? Exactly, Goffey? I would say that's a great way of describing him. A lot. He's not as pretty as, uh, not as good looking as uh, Ben Stokes, but no, I tell you what. But he's mm. similar pace, and he bats a similar way as well. Yeah. Would you say that, Al? Yeah, hundred mm. percent. You'd want him in your team every day of the week. Definitely. So where are we then? Two hundred and thirty. All out. Would you? I mean. Was it just that kind of pitch? Was it that conditions? Is it always going to be a low-scoring thriller? Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I know we're talking back in 1998, so I can't remember everything. But what, what I can tell you, at Headingley and Goffey can come in here. Yes, you look at the pitch, but you also look at, at the sky as well. And it probably was, remember, it would have been blue sky if we, if we mm. said, no, we're still going to um, make sure that, that we bat first. But whatever you do, bat or bowl, win the toss, lose the toss, you have to do your skills well. And if you take out Mark Butcher's 100, we didn't do it that well. But through Butcher's 100, we were competitive. We were in the game going into the second innings of the match. Well, the pressure was always going to be on them batting fourth as well, I suppose. But 100%. Before that, they had to they had to bat second. Um, Gus Fraser, you uh, writing about this or talking about this sometime after. Gus Fraser was the bowler of the series, Goffey. Uh, it was, listen, uh, Gus, um, in any... Uh, on any pitch that had a little bit of uh, help in it, Angus Fraser was the guy you want you want to be bowling on it because 
the way he hit the seam, the way he was relentless in not giving the batsman um, any width, uh, totally opposite to probably uh, myself. Um, and, he, and he comes, he come, in that series, he was awesome. The pitches weren't flat, but they just stood enough in him if he got the ball in the right areas. And Edenley is one of those. Steve Oldham, one of my bowling coaches, um, who I have a lot of time for, always says, you bowl 20 overs at Edenley and you get the ball in the right area, you can walk away with three or four for every day of the week. And Angus Fraser would have loved to have carried the pictures at Trent Bridge and at Edenley around with him forever. Would that be right in saying that? 100%. Al? Yeah. Angus Fraser, you know, I've always said Goffey was the best England bowler I, I played with. You know, I won't change that. He was my first pick player, Goffey. I know he's on the other end of the line, but he was my first pick player when I was captain. But Angus Fraser, he, he started off in 89, I think, with England. Then he injured his hip mm. in the early 90s. And he suffered. Um, he hates us saying this. He lost a little bit of nip, but he missed two or three years of cricket. Otherwise, he would have gone down as one of England's finest ever bowlers. He was that mm. good. He really was. Um, and as Goffey quite rightly says, he pitched everything on probably an A4 scrap of paper and he didn't miss. So if the ball went one way or the other, he was always in the game. And it just shows how he is. Goffey would try and take five wickets every time he bowled. And you say to Angus Fraser, would you rather take five for 100 of 15 overs or one for 30 of 20 overs? And he'd want to take one for 30. No, five every yep, day of the week. Exactly. But that was his mentality. And that is why the two of them, Goffey and, and Gus, complemented each other really, really well. Well, you don't need to tell me about Gus Fraser because I remember watching him win a test for England against Australia here. It was either 94 or 98. No, it wasn't 98. It was 90. Might have been nine. Was that when Tuffers got some in the second innings as well? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But Gus, listen, Gus. Um, he, he say he's a good mate, but he, he 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 was a fine fine bowler. But because of injury, he probably isn't quite in one of England's greatest ever. But mm. he would have been mm. had he not missed three or four years because of injury. Maybe he would have benefited from central contracts himself. Um, we're going to be looking at the third innings uh, and also looking ahead to Surrey's season uh, here on Talksport Two. It's Darren Goff's Cricket Week online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Oh, lovely shot by Stewart. Oh, that's great work from Alex Stewart and it's out. Brilliant. You won't see anything more brilliant. Tufnell's done the damage again. And England are having a lot of fun at the Oval today. It's too short for Alex Stewart. Just a flick at the wrists, that's all it was. That's a nice shot. This time he over-pitches. Once again, Alex Stewart puts it away. And he is in superb form. And there it is! Alex Stewart has become the first Englishman to score a century in each innings of a Test match against the West Indies. It's good to hear an Aussie describing Alex Stewart boundaries, that's for sure. Um... So we're at the halfway stage of the match. South Africa got a narrow lead. Um, but you knew they had to bat, bat forth. The, the pressure was going to be on them as long as you got a score on the board. Uh, Atherton went early, but Butcher for the second time and Nasser really came up with the goods. And, you know, how important was it that England could get off to a good start in that second innings just to make sure that there was going to be a total to defend? That was massive. I mean, we turned it into really a one innings game. 
Um, it was near, you know, as I said, the, the first two innings, they'd gone. So it was who was going to play best in innings three and four. And that partnership, the Butcher-Hussain partnership, was crucial because there's such a thing as scoreboard pressure, which everyone speaks about. But going into the fourth innings, knowing you have to chase down a total, knowing that a test match rides on it, but more importantly, a test series is riding on it, was massive. So it wasn't quite... E- Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan run your score seemed like double um, from a South African point of view but it wasn't far off that mm. because batting became harder the pitch was offering a little bit more there are overhead conditions as well and you throw in the pressure of having to win and having to win that series mm. Do you know something Joel um, one thing that the, pro- the problem we had in that series is but we had some fantastic batsmen if you look at our batting lineup: Butcher, Atherton, Hussain yourself Mark Rampakash Hickey uh, Flintoff were playing his uh, maiden series. He made his debut at Trent Bridge. He got a pair, didn't he, uh, at Edenley? But always, as always, when you're playing against South Africa with that bowling attack we talked about earlier, we got blown away, didn't we? Our tail yeah. end got blown away mm. by them. And, and, and no matter how well we played at the top, well, we had to play well at the top because we were always going to get blown away by your likes of the Donald, the Pollock, Macmillan, and Teeny and Callis. Serious attack. It was like the Australia, you know, playing against Australia now when Mitchell Stark yeah. and, and whoever, Pat Cummings, came steaming in at our lot. You don't get those old, let's try and get 100 runs for the last four wickets. It was, well, you, lo- you lose your sixth, seventh wicket and you're starting to get ready to go out and field again. This is the thing, isn't it? I mean, looking at uh, this scorecard, when you were out, Alec, 143 for three, um, 63rd over of the game. And, you know, you talk about one run 
mm. equaling two. But that that's that's another reason why it just felt that way. I'm sure. I remember watching on. You know, really just chiseling away. And you know, Pollock took a fiver. Donald took a fiver. Um, incredibly difficult to bat on, but you know, with one innings to go. You, 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 I mean, you, you, you were there as well, Goffey. Did you feel that the the, mm. the target was twenty thirty shy? Yeah, I, I thought so. That collapse didn't help us at all. I just thought because they had a twenty lead, didn't they? I think on first innings. Yeah. So I, th- I, I just thought, I probably thought we were about twenty thirty short, uh, and we'd have had to perform really, really well. Uh, in that game and they've got some fantastic players yeah Liedenberg ended up being a walking wicket uh, throughout that series but Jack Callis Daryl Cullinan I think was one of the most underrated players I thought he was excellent yeah good player yeah good player Gary Kirsten against England over the years got some massive massive scores um, and we knew he was going to be the big wicket, didn't we, Al? And, and we got him. Quite, I can't remember how I got him. Was it caught gully or caught slip? I can't even remember. Did it not hit the shoulder of the bat? I'm trying to think. Yes, he did. Yes, yes, he was back of a length. Yeah. New ball. Yeah, that's it. But that, that was a chap going into that fourth innings was get early wickets. Don't go mm. searching desperate. Still do the, the right things well. But, but if you get early wickets, then you put them on the back foot straight away. That was a thing. Because... You know, they hadn't been playing a lot of international... They came back for that 92 World Cup, but they hadn't played a lot. It's only their second tour of England. And we knew, Headingley again, we're talking about overheads, was not going to be easy. So get early breakthroughs, make full use of that new ball, and then you're right in amongst it. Well, you certainly did make good use of that new ball because they were 27 for five. Correct. And Goffey had picked up uh, three of them. One, two, three, three of them. Fraser, two. You, you, it's, it's England all the way. But then... Yeah, um, was it Macmillan Rose, was it? Macmillan Rose? That's right. Macmillan yeah. and John T. Rose get together, put on 100-odd. Uh, and suddenly, instead of needing 200 with five wickets, they needed 75. Um, and it was uh, it was Dominic Cork who you turned to. Oh, I yep. tell you what, he really wound him up, didn't he? I remember <laughs> him and Matt Millen had a proper barn. And Corky, credit to him. And when we talk about people you need in your side who have got a bit of spirit, I always say that about Dom. He's up for the fight, no matter who he is, no matter how big they are. Um, he might not have the power behind him as far as him bowling 90 mile an hour deliveries but I'll tell you what he stood up to Matt Millen didn't he in that series yeah. big 100%. time 100% yeah. and he did because he loved he loved to get in the, a lot of it was show, showmanship because yeah. um, that's him but, we, mm. but it's part of his makeup, and you'd never want to knock that out of him but he would always back himself against anyone and because McMillan you you always had matchups didn't we but David mm. Lloyd the bumble was was the coach and he almost said right you know line you up 1 to 11 who is your counterpart in the opposition make sure you beat him in every session in on every day in every game and in that series and um Corky he pushed himself up the batting order, but he um, he lined himself up against Brian McMillan, um, <laughs> and it was real head to head. Well, Goffey, uh, you say them two did not like each. I'm not going to put on a Barnsley accent. Them <laughs> two did not like each other. McMillan even threatened to, to kill Corky yeah, he when he looked <laughs> came looking for him after the match. Um, so, and I know where my money would have been as well. Well, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. the truck driver. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, 34 needed for South Africa. Eight wickets down, so two wickets needed by England. Um, shadows lengthening. Donald and Pollock at the crease. The crowd in there, wishing to see the culmination of the day. You're offered the light, and you take them off. Well, yeah, they they, um, they could have claimed the extra half hour, mm. um, South Africa, but they had a bit of momentum. So we've given it. No, we're out of here. But they did. They. 
they'd have got it wrong because they didn't ask for it because I reckon if they'd gone the extra half hour I don't know what you think Goffey I think because of a little bit more momentum with them we may have struggled um, but we just took the bails off and, and, and off we went and then it you was... tried that at Melbourne as well. Al. You yeah. used to do that all the time. <laughs> but we won that one as well, didn't we? As yeah, it we did. <laughs> but the um, but the momentum was there. But then they had to sleep on it. Obviously, we had to sleep on it, and there was the excitement and everything else going into day five. But the not out batsmen probably didn't sleep too much. I'd suggest absolutely because they're trying to work out how they're going to knock off those runs needed. Well, to be fair, we were ill though. I mean, I remember um, that yeah. last day. I was a serious uh, attacking. I think others had gone off to hospital. Others had got. He missed it. He didn't feel that. Yeah, uh, that I was last. ill though. One night, uh, Al, if you remember, I, I'd not been. I'd been up all night. Um, I didn't do any warm up. Um, I went out there at five to eleven. I remember going out there and thinking the no- I didn't expect anybody to be there because I'd not no. done any warm up, and it See, was that- unbelievable. See that—that that was a difference. So I knew it'd be full up because admission was free, and we're in Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a full house. It, it was, was unbelievable. Full, it was unbelievable. But that—but that was it. Exact. Goffey's ex- absolutely spot on because there you used to change in the old rugby dressing room, which were underneath the stand. So we'd gone out, mm. warmed up, come back in, and then Goffey's gone out um, with the bowlers, and he's first in, and obviously we heard him coming because he was talking. Um, but he came and said the atmosphere is unbelievable. And it was. It was full of passionate Yorkshire people who were there to support England, support Goffey, um, to try and get us over the line. Six overs is all it took on that final morning. Fraser getting Donald. Just carried to me, didn't it? And then Goffey... uh, (laughs) He would have just carried off Gus. Yeah, that's what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) And then Goffey uh, getting uh, Entini. Do you know what it was, though, Johnny? on the Donald one, I I, mm. I struggled against Alan Donald. He's just one of those guys, but he, you'd fancy getting him out, but he just seemed to middle me. He was one of those <laughs> tail-enders who I really struggled against, and, and I was so relieved when uh, Gus got him out, because obviously I fancied getting Nantini. I, I, I knew exactly what ball I was going to be going for. It was just reversing a little bit, and um, w- when he gave the decision, that was just... Um, Un- unbelievable it really really was what it was a, a moment. massive moment wasn't it massive, for all of us massive. massive moment for for the team massive moment for England cricket but they're the moments when you look back at the end of your career and you think all that hard work you put in, put in on the mm. training ground all the, the good and the bad days that you have but they're right up there for those for those moments the fans ran onto the ground Goff fell over before before making it back fell safely over that night. to the dressing room. <laughs> well, I remember my old family were there waiting for me. My dad, my mum, my missus, my, my son, there, yeah. my young kid. He was only four then, Liam. Uh, bless him. So, um, yeah, it was an amazing moment. I said, I'll never forget that one. And remember being on that balcony, Al. And yeah. um, Butch whole got the man. was full. All ground was full. What an atmosphere. Butch won the MOM. Um, pouring champagne over my head. I had my arms aloft. I just remember the, the, the noise was definitely, it was the loudest yeah. noise I'd ever been part of playing for England. And champagne were all over me, in my eyes. But I didn't give them an absolute monkey's. I was just so pleased we'd won. Well, it was um, it was quite a turnaround. It was a uh, justification was... and probably your highlight as as captain. No, it was. Alec. It was, and that's what I say to people. You know, you talk about you know matches won, series won, and and all that. But because when you're captain, you feel victory and defeat. I think more than when you're mm. just a player. Um, but because of how it had fluctuated, going one nil down. Uh, and then dragging it back and say Old Trafford was a massive turning point then winning Trent Bridge and the way we won it with Goffey taking the the last wicket there meant that we were on a high and the public were right behind us what killed us because we then went out to Australia 
We then had to play a, a one-off test match against Sri Lanka here at the Oval. Oh, that's right, And yeah. the Oval decided... They had one bowl in Murrilith. Murrilith, yeah. We, we asked to play on a green-seeming pitch. And flat. The Oval <laughs> Grounds when an Oval Chief Exec wanted it the last five days, so <laughs> we played on a turning pitch more like Colombo. And we were all we tired as over. well, weren't we? Yeah. We were all tired. Yeah, no yeah. Athers, no no NASA. They both pulled out with injury. Mm. Um, and that hurt us, that defeat, but that shouldn't take off the gloss of that brilliant series win against well, South it, Africa. Well, it was a brilliant series, and I can say as a uh, someone who followed it uh, as a fan at the time, it uh, it's still the series I look back on with great fondness 20 years later, watching you two on the balcony. Um, unfortunately, we're starting to run out of time. Uh, before we let you go, Alec... Um, Season is upon us again here at the Oval, where uh, the sun always shines. Uh, I'm seeing people tipping. Tip, I was about to say us then. People tipping Surrey for the title again. They all, what is it about Surrey? People just love tipping Surrey every year yeah, for listen, the title. Are you, listen, are you that, one of them? That, listen, it's, it's people's opinions. That's all it is. Um, well, I can tell you, we want to win the championship, but there'll be uh, other counties saying exactly the same. So we've had a really good winter. We've had a really good pre-season. Now it starts for real on Friday against Hampshire. Um, and we've got to make sure that we hit the road running. So we've got a good group of players, a new captain in Rory Burns to lead the troops. Um, but it's it's how you play. If we play consistently well, we'll be there or thereabouts. It, it's the same for any county. But, yeah, if people tip us, fine, we'll take it. Um, but I'm more concerned about how we play. Do you know the, the thing with you, Al, and, and people, you get sort of get a lot of sticks sometimes about the signings you make and so many, a big squad. But you actually need it because if you look at the players you have got, mm. they're all going to be on the verge of playing for England. Some of them are going to be picked for England. So yeah. you actually do need a big squad. No, exactly. Listen, we, we, and what we also try and do, and people, it's easy for people to, to overlook it, is the, immen the amount of players that we bring through our system onto our staff as well so yes we make some signings you know we brought in Borthwick and, and Stoneman last year from Durham uh, and this year we've signed Mornay Morkel um, but also look at as say the number of homegrown players that we are bringing through producing who are going on to play for England whether it be a Jason Roy a Tom Curran and in, in years to come it will be a Sam Curran and perhaps an Ollie Pope um, any other signings you're expecting? No, we've got Dean Elgar coming in. Obviously, he because we lost Mitch Marsh mm. as our overseas base, yeah. which was a big blow mm. uh, to lose him so close to the season. So we've got Dean Elgar coming in um, for the first two months of the season, and then we've got Aaron Finch for the for the 2020. Um, but we're going to have to find a couple of overseas players um, for July onwards. Um, which again will mean I'll get my little black book out and <laughs> rack up my international phone bill. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a strange time for cricket, isn't it? Uh, at the moment, with the, the new league coming in in a couple of years, there's some there's problems at boardroom level. Not everyone's happy on, in the shires or indeed in 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 the cities. It's it seems to be a real period of flux. Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, obviously with this new T20 coming in, there's a lot of questions still to be answered. Um, you know, what's it going to look like? The format, how's it going to affect county cricket? So, quite rightly, the counties are asking questions, and hopefully, the ECB have the answers. Um, which means that the twenty, the new 2020, is a great success, a success, but it's not going to dilute the importance of county cricket because um, um, it is so so important and the things went your way in the county championship two strong teams what about Yorkshire Essex abandoned without a ball being bowled out can you believe Unbe that unbelievable isn't it it really is you know so I think Mark Arthur chief exec there said it's the wettest he's ever seen mm. Headingley so real sympathies obviously for both sides because you don't want to see that happen um, but from a selfish point of view um, two good sides not 
neither of them getting a win or bonus points is, is a touch. But it's not really a test of uh, cricket, though, is it? I mean, look at some of the wickets and, and, and what they've gone for. I think you've got James Harris who got nine wickets in the game. Yeah. For, I mean, he got five for nine. Yeah, but Five again, it's, it's the weather. You know that that is a thing. Jeff Arnold, who's one of our bowling consultants here, he went over there with his ECB uh, hat on to go and watch some, and he just said, "You were playing on the outfield." You know, again, mm. Mickey Hunt, the Lord Ground, and said he hasn't seen Lords as wet as that ever. Um, and that's where it becomes, I want to say, a lottery. But you know, to get sides bowled out, who's it? Kent were bowled out for 64, yeah. I think. Lancashire been rolled for 70 odd in their second innings. So it is the weather and the lack of sunshine which has meant the pitches have gone sideways. Well, that's one that's going to rumble on throughout the summer. This and next, I'm sure. Uh, Alec, thanks so much for your time. Pleasure. Thanks, absolutely thanks, brilliant. Good to be with you, Jonathan. Always great to be with my hero <laughs> and great mate, Mr. Goff. <laughs> Cheers, Al. Um, Good luck. And, Cheers, uh, guys. We're, uh, we're going to be joined by more cricketing royalty after the break. Lawrence Booth, editor of the Wizard Almanac, joins us here on uh, TalkSport 2 and Darren Goff's Cricket Week. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Lawrence Booth is with us in the studio. It must be that time of the year, suited and booted, looking smart, uh, ahead of the Wisdom Dinner, uh, editor of the Wisdom Almanac. Uh, this year's Bible has just hit uh, the doorsteps. Uh, where do we start? Well, thanks for having me in. Yeah, in my suit, which I wear once a year, um, <laughs> as you can see. Um, I think we probably start with the fact that there are three women among the five cricketers of the year, which um, I think says a lot about the progress women's cricket has made. We, before this year, we, we'd named 590 cricketers of the year, and only two had been women. That was Claire Taylor in 2009 and Charlotte Edwards in 2014. So to have three out of five is a big moment for wisdom. But more importantly, it's a big moment for, for women's cricket because um, the World Cup last year, I think, changed a lot of people's perceptions about women's cricket there were 26,000 people at Lords a lot of them hadn't been to a cricket game before there were lots of women there were lots of girls it felt like a, a you know a seminal moment really for, for, for the game and I, and I just hope that Anya Shrubsole who's our cover star isn't the last woman in the next few years to be on the cover and it's about being in the uh, right place, right time as well, because uh, those three uh, ladies, they're deserving. Uh, and I'm really pleased, actually, we've got three uh, ladies in there. But there's a couple, actually, who are lucky to miss out because they had terrific tournaments and they've had terrific years with England ladies as well. Yeah, I mean, Tammy Beaumont scored yeah, a lot of runs. I'm a you massive know. fan of Tammy Beaumont. She's a fantastic player. She, she's a name that's cropped up a lot on, on social media when after we named these five. And, and Sarah Taylor, of course, you know, yeah. she's got a you know a, a good, interesting story as well. She, great she's story. fighting well, not a great anxiety. Story, yeah. no, fighting story, yeah. You, you have to admire what she's done. And look, it could easily have chosen five women to be the cricketers of the year. Yeah. But it's a question of balance, and I, I don't rule out five five women in future years and I think three is a is a good start and cricket's got a lot of catching up to do including Wisden um, You could make an argument that Pakistan should be on the front shouldn't you? You could, couldn't you? I Absolutely mean, Winning the Champions Trophy yeah, in yeah. England the return of Mohammed Amir what a story that is um, yeah. and just in regard to where cricket is uh, moving back to Pakistan again it, it's, it, I'm sure there's an argument in there I'm sure there's some agreed Pakistani Wisden fans who, who feel that uh, maybe if uh, Anya hadn't taken that uh, ridiculous six wickets or so, um, it would have been Mohammed Amir on the front. I that would have look, been a story. Well, that would have been a big story. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm glad there are aggrieved Pakistan Wisdom fans because I want this to, to create some debate. You know, Hassan Ali got very close to being in the five. He took 
three wickets for fun in the Champions Trophy, and he was he was a star of the show, really. Yeah, Mohamed Amir w- was would have been a good shout just for his performance in the final, knocked over Virat Kohli for nothing, as, as you know, Pakistan shocked India. But you know, one or two people have said has Wisden overcompensated by choosing three women? And first of all, I don't think we have. I think they all merit their place. Secondly, I would say if we had overcompensated, would that be a problem? Cricket is overcompensated in the other direction for a couple of hundred years you know it's a, let's let's give the women a chance um people talk about inverse sexism i don't care about that the, these women deserve their place and if it even if it is inverse sexism i don't see that as a problem well you win a tournament um you expect to be somewhere on that list oh, surely and i think that sets the the example to everyone else following so you've got england players we're building up to a world cup in this country coming uh, around next year now if england were successful in that, you would expect a large majority of that five to be in it, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. We'd we'd have been slaughtered, rightly, if we hadn't included two or three women in this five. And if, if they weren't going to be included this year, when would they have been? I mean, last summer was a huge moment for, for English sport because if, if you suddenly engage half the population, the popula- half the population that's been ignored, disenfranchised by cricket for most of the sport's existence, you're basically saying we're never, we're never going to involve them. So I hope that this reflects the fact that things have changed. Well, things will change. The 2020 tournament coming in 2020. And that, I suppose, is part of what we're talking about because it's a tournament that is supposed to engage with fans, young fans, new fans, female fans. And that's exactly what uh, the women managed to do in 2017. Um, From the positive to the not so, um, and in your notes, urging uh, the ECB not to take the Ashes for granted. And uh, England's test team going backwards, which has been a uh, constant source of frustration for the man opposite me and myself, of course, over the last uh, few months. Yeah, look, I mean, and, and since I wrote those notes, of course, we go to pub- the printers at the end of February. Since I wrote that, England were 27 for nine in Auckland, <laughs> 58 all out. I mean, things got even worse. They've lost 10 of their last 13 away tests. That is their worst away sequence ever. And Trevor Bayliss has presided over 40 t- co- uh, tests as coach, and he's won 15 of them. That is a worse record than Peter Moores, who was sacked twice as England coach. So the test team is in a desperate state, especially at home we're fine. We The, the pitches help us, we've got the right bowlers, we've got batsmen who understand the conditions. Still lose to West Indies, though, don't we? Well, yeah, they, they lost one game. You know, They made a bit of a meal of that series, but they had a good win over South Africa, and I think they'll probably beat Pakistan and India this summer. Do you? Yeah, I do. I mean, if Kohli scores a hat load, then they may not, but I, I still make England favourites for I that. Think, I think India are going to win. I think well, I think with India, what they've got, what they've not had for a long time now, they've actually Bowlers. got a good seam, in, seam attack. And that's where they've always struggled. They've had one, haven't they? But now you look at them, they've got a few. And they are awkward to face as well, especially if you look at Bumrah. Variety. Oh, dear me. Variety I mean, and yeah, pace. And they've got spin. So uh, whichever way we go, and, and they can get <laughs> runs. But I think it's always been a problem. I think Corley struggled last time he was over here, didn't he, with a swinging ball. Jimmy Anderson, probably another yard slower. Um might just go in Coley's favour. A month playing for Surrey. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it will depend on Coley. If he scores five or six hundred runs, yeah. India got a shout. But if he averages 13 or 14 again, like he did in 2014, I think England will win. I mean, it's, look, winning an overseas series in across five tests is really hard these days. I mean, teams barely get any preparation time now. They're thrown straight in. That's why Coley wants to play county cricket, to get used to the conditions. And if he suddenly, if he hits that first test running, India have got a great shout. But... I still, I, I think Jimmy is bowling as well as he ever has done. You, you probably have a slightly more nuanced view, but I mean, last summer he took what thirty odd wickets at 
16 apiece. He was oh, yeah. he looked superb. But isn't that the state of uh, Test cricket in general? But technically, batsmen, because of the dominance of T20 and 50 over cricket, batsmen no longer have got the technical ability like they had in the old days. Um, and I hate going back uh, to the 90s, but 90s had so many. When you looked at every team, they had two eye, and I mean eye quality bowlers in their side. You looked at the West Indies with Walsh and Ambrose. You looked at Pakistan, Akram and Waka. You could put Akib Javid in that as well. Sure enough, um, with uh, Prasad, India yeah. and, the, and Prasad. And they also had Kumble as well, just to add to it. Sh- uh, Sri Lanka with Shamin Davas and uh, Mullerithrin. And I think we struggle now. And if you're a good bowler in this day and age, it's my personal opinion, if you're a quality bowler in this day and age, you clean up. Jimmy Anderson cleans up year after year. Rabada cleaning up year after year. We've seen Maury Morkel coming to a retirement now, but cleaning up at the end. And that's because the technique of batsmen in this day and age is not there. It's yeah, not there anymore. And isn't that partly also because teams aren't having any warm-up games on tour? So I agree with you, They're going from a T20 tournament to a five-test tour in an overseas country, and it's almost like, oh, it doesn't matter, we're going to earn... 50 grand next week playing in the BPL or something. Yeah. You know, the, the, the attitude has changed. So, you know, I think Jimmy could still cash in this summer. And, you know, oh, P- we had a doubt. Pujara's another interesting one at three. He's, he looks a class player and he, he's, up, he's playing with the season with Yorkshire. He's, a, he's an old fashioned test batsman. So I think if, if he and Coley can get going, India have got a chance. Oh, so you've turned around to my way. Yeah, no, I said they've got a chance. <laughs> can I just ask, England I, will win. Can I just ask <laughs> a, a question on, on, on Wisdom, um, uh, the book? Obviously. I was a winner. I can't even remember. Yeah, was it ninety four? I would it. I think it was ninety four. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think it was ninety four. <laughs> what a so, thing not to know, eh? <laughs> with with the way the media's gone in recent years, and it's all been now online, uh, and and media print has gone. Obviously, the book is still as popular as ever. I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's still sales are holding up, which is a bit of a miracle because we used to be known for our statistics, and now you, the the internet updates cricket yeah. stats by the second. We we get one crack at it a year. So you can see we've got a bit of a problem there. So we've had to be a bit smarter about how we do our stats, but we've also had to try and convince people that there's lots of good stuff to read in it. We have a strong comment voice, I hope. You know, the editor's notes get get a sort of airing <laughs> once a year. And so, you know, there's also a lot of instant comment on cricket, isn't there, with Twitter. Everyone has their views, but Wisdom kind of takes a step back, I hope, and slightly more considered view perhaps I'll tell you what you got next year as well which will be interesting your editor's notes next season year will be the payout to the counties regarding test matches that'll be a, a, a huge say next year I would imagine i tell you what you're five years out by the way I'm not 1999 was it? yeah 94's David Boone Ian Healy Merv Hughes Shane Warne and uh, Steve Watkin Steve Watkin yeah 19, so I was 99 Ian Austin Darren Goff Murrilly Ranatunga John T. Rose. So that would have been for 98 when you helped yeah. bowl them to victory over South Africa in, yeah, that, in that series. But that, yeah. You probably had a case in 95, didn't you, for 94 when yes, you, you burst on the scene a bit. Case. Yeah, exactly. But, but, you know, uh, yeah, only but listen, five each year. So. Just a pleasure to be on that list. <laughs> hey, uh, you can only win it once, but it it's is, a pleasure. It's, uh, do you know what else happened in 1999? It's probably the only year you read this. What's the player? Or did every uh, player carry this on tour? What? No, I, I think uh, I've got a collection of them at home. Do you? Yeah, it's in my uh, office, yeah. Blimey. There you go, so do yeah. I. They, 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 but do, do the players. We get, do the players. When you win it, you get a special one. Leather bound. Leather bound, mate. Yeah. Look at that face. <laughs> do, do, the, do, the, do the players. Of course they do. Do they put a lot of credence? To win it, yes. You, know, is this... you can only win it once, and I think um, when you win it, it's almost a relief. Because you know you've been a decent cricketer, um, but... 
yeah, I think I, I mentioned this actually on air um, yesterday because what I was trying to say is, but although we play in team sports, individual accolades mean a lot, mean a lot because I always believe in if you in a team sport, if the individuals look after the game and make sure they perform to their best of their ability, the team's going to do well anyway. So all this rubbish about you have to be a team player, you have to have some individual great players who turn up series after series, and if they do, the team will win. And then the captain gets all the accolades because he's the captain of a winning side. And that's why when we talk now, even now, statistic game, when you talk about the best test captains England have had, it's the ones that have won the Ashes. Everyone else, it doesn't matter. Nasser is saying, for me, mm, the present me. era was the best. Probably you as well. Didn't win agree? the Ashes. And so he won't, be judged, he won't be judged one of the best purely because he didn't win the Ashes. That's right. I mean, Mike Gatting, I think, won two Test matches ever. Yeah. They were both in 86-87 in Australia, and that yeah. made his sort of after-dinner speaking well, career. Well, he dined out on that until Andrew Strauss did the same thing 20-odd <laughs> years later. Uh, run out of time, Lawrence, until this time next year. Uh, and that's also the end of the show. Uh, thanks to Alex Stewart for joining us to talk about that 1998 series, by the way. Absolutely brilliant. Test of time. <laughs> Looking ahead to Surrey season as well. Um, Goffey, I'll see you next week. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 